the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to uh, explore a little bit in Second Thessalonians. We finished first chapter of Second Thessalonians last week, and now we're going to move into the second chapter. And in that second chapter, this segment of Scripture and, and those beyond it speak a good bit about the end times. In fact, that's primarily what they're speaking about. And I want you to understand something as we go into this, that this is not meant to be a treatise on the end times. Paul has a point that he's making by bringing up the events of the end times. He is proving a point or making a point to the Thessalonians about the timing of the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord. And it's very important that they realize, you remember that these young believers, I say new believers, have been under a great deal of stress and persecution. And at this point, it's been several months since Paul's first letter. And since then, Paul has received information or or correspondence or, or a word from those people who've traveled down in that area that these Thessalonians, among other things, we're now going through more severe persecution, that, that it was literally ramped up, and, and they were having a really tough time. So Paul is going to address some of these issues. And in first chapter of Second Thessalonians, you see Paul specifically trying to comfort them, encourage them. That's what that first chapter is about. Now, the second chapter in Second Thessalonians is actually about giving them some basis of understanding, correcting a false understanding or a bit of false information that they've received concerning the day of the Lord. So, let's begin in Second Thessalonians. It says, But relative to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah and our gathering together to meet Him, we beg you, brethren, not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it be by some pretended revelation of the Spirit or by word or by letter alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. 
Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way, for that day will not come except the apostasy comes first, unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come, and the man of lawlessness, sin, is revealed, who is the son of doom, of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and insolently against and over all that is called God, or that is worshipped, of even to his actually taking his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming that he himself is God. Do you not recollect that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining him from being revealed at this time. It is so that he may be manifested, revealed in his own appointed time. For the mystery of lawlessness, that hidden principle of rebellion against constituted authority, is already at work in the world, but it is restrained only until he who restrains is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed, and the Lord will slay him with the breath of his mouth and bring him to an end by his appearing at his coming. The coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist, is through the activity and working of Satan and will be attended by great power and with all sorts of pretended miracles and signs and delusive marvels, all of them lying wonders and by unlimited seduction to evil and with all wicked deception from those who are perishing, going to perdition because they did not welcome the truth, but refused to love it, that they might be saved. You know, the question that comes to mind in all of this, for those of you who went with us through First Thessalonians in chapter 5, Paul spends a great deal of time discussing the day of the Lord, and he discusses the rapture. And he does all of this to kind of belay the fear, because you remember some of those Thessalonians actually believed that they had missed the rapture, or that they were in the day of the Lord, or also, and also they believed that those who had died, who died before the coming of the Lord, would miss the rapture. Okay? And that was concerning to them. So he goes through and he explains to them, you have not missed the rapture, and you won't miss the rapture, and you're not in the day of the Lord. He, he basically says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, he says to them, you are not meant for that day. You were not meant for darkness, but for light. You remember he also says that that day would come as a thief in the night. And he says to them, you weren't meant for darkness, but for light. You are sons of the light. And he makes it very clear to them that, that they were not going to miss the rapture, but they would be caught up and gathered, caught up, the, the parousia, the rapture that we call it. They would be caught up with Christ in the air, with the rest of the saints, along with the dead, who should rise first. Well, that was in First Thessalonians. Now the question is, we're back in, we're now in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, and he's discussing it again. And you've got to wonder, what happened? Why is it that these people that Paul actually says that they were steadfast in the faith would need Paul to address this once more? 
Well, there are several reasons for this, but the main one is seen in verse 2 of the text we just read. In verse 2, you see that there had been a series of deceptions introduced to these new believers. Paul mentions in verse 2 a spirit, a word, and a letter. A spirit could have been some kind of prophetic message given through a false prophet. A word might have been a sermon or a speech. And a letter would be just that, a written letter alleged to be from Paul himself, written by him, declaring with apostolic authority that the day of the Lord had begun, all of which was false. So, in addition to that, they were under severe persecution and desperate for any word of relief that might bring hope. And this message, as the text points out, has shaken and disturbed the Thessalonians. Actually, that word shaken, the Greek word there is the same word you use for earthquake. It means to shake violently. That's the magnitude of, of what it gripped them in this. So Paul is writing both to comfort them and to settle this issue concerning the day of the Lord. So let's look at verse 1. He says, But relative to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah and our gathering together to meet him, we beg you, brethren. Now that word, but, indicating a transition to the coming of the Lord and our gathering. This is actually speaking in verse 1. It's talking about the rapture. That's what he's talking about. The parousia it's called in the Greek. This is what Paul describes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, where he says, Then we, the living ones who remain on the earth, shall simultaneously be caught up along with the resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so always, through the eternity of eternities, we shall be with the Lord. Hallelujah, right? Amen. Then notice that Paul also includes himself in that. Both in, in our text and in this verse in chapter 4, he includes himself in the gathering as if to say to them, if I am still here, then there's been no rapture. If I'm still hanging around, the rapture hadn't happened. And Paul starts out and he says, we beg We plead with you, brethren. Look at verse 1. We beg you, we plead with you, not to allow your minds to be quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept excited or alarmed, whether it be by some pretended revelation of the Spirit or by word or by letter alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already arrived and is here. Now, we've already briefly looked at this verse, but I... I want you to see as it continues from verse 1 where he says, We beg you, you actually see the heart of Paul. But more to the point, please, please remember that when we're reading the letter of Paul, we're reading what the Spirit of God is speaking to those Thessalonians. You see Paul's compassion for them. You see Paul's heart for them. Because he knows and he senses how that word, that false message, must have affected their faith and their hope in this. And you see the compassion in his words where he says, We beg you, please don't be upset by this. Please don't allow that to unsettle your mind. You also see in that description what a deception and what a false word will do to the soul. You see that as well. But what came to my mind as we were singing, what came to my mind is the gentleness of our God. You know where he says, A bruised reed he would not break. These people were bruised. And, you know, Paul could have said, okay, 
you bunch of nitwits. We've been down this road before, and you didn't get it? Are you listening to me? Can't you figure it out? Go back and read the last letter. Go back and read the last letter. I've already been through all this. He didn't go there. He didn't go there at all. He comes at them and he says, I beg you, I plead with you. Man, that's the heart of the Father. That's the gentleness of our Lord. Every one of us have seen that in our own experience. Every one of us have had the same lesson given us over and over again, right? Haven't we? Does your God come in and go, hey, stupid? No. No. There's a gentleness. There's a kindness. A bruised reed he won't break. Listen. Our God knows how weak we are. And He comes to us with tenderness. And all that we need to know, He expresses and reveals to us in love. Not in condemnation. If you're being condemned in your failures, I want to tell you something. There is such a thing as the conviction of the Spirit of God to motivate you to live to a higher place. That higher place that you were born to. To walk in truth. But our God is not the one who beats you with guilt. There is now, therefore, how much condemnation? No condemnation. Do you hear condemnation in Paul's voice here? No, you don't. He's not beating them up. We beg you. Paul has a deep and great love and compassion for these people given him by the Lord. And he says, do not allow your minds to become quickly unsettled or disturbed or kept perpetually, kept excited or alarmed. He says, I know this is hurting you. Don't allow this to affect you in this way. And it seems fairly obvious by the reaction of the Thessalonians to this false message or letter that the Thessalonians were afraid they missed the rapture. You'd get that idea, right? They were afraid they missed the rapture. You know, they had expected the rapture to actually take place before the day of the Lord. And they were expecting to be taken up into the rest of the Father, to be taken up into the arms of the Lord before the day of the Lord occurred. They were going to enter into His rest. They had not expected to be left behind to face the wrath of God with the wicked. You can see that in the text. Well, what that should tell you is that Paul taught very clearly that the rapture would occur first. That's why they were scared to death. That's why they were so shaken. Because they had believed this false word, and because they had believed that the rapture had taken place, and they knew what the day of the Lord was all about. They had missed their ride out, is what many of them thought. They expected that they would have been lifted. Paul taught that they would have they would miss the day of the Lord, as in First Thessalonians five and Revelation three ten. And you can see also at the beginning of verse two, Paul says a little word there. He says, Don't allow. Now what does that say to you? Choice. They had a choice. Do not allow. They could choose. No doubt the severity of that persecution they were under probably gave credibility to this false message. But with deception for the child of God, there is always a choice. Did you hear me? The child of God always has a choice. When it comes to being deceived, they choose. 
Do you understand that? We love to play the victim and say, oh, well, you know, I was duped. Listen, we were duped because we went down a road we shouldn't have gone down. Right? It's like the alcoholic saying, you know what? You know, I wandered in the bar and they tempted me to take a drink. They just tempted me. They would not leave me alone. They put drinks all around me. I was, I, you know, I was absolutely... You can't blame the bar. That's what bars do. And when the same thing is true with deception. The same thing is true in the Christian life when it comes to the deception and the work of the enemy. We go down the road of being self-centered. We go down the road of being self-protecting. We go down the road of being bitter. And once we enter down that road where our thoughts are centered in us or our thoughts are centered in someone else, we are prime for deception. And the enemy knows it. The enemy knows it. He's ready for it. We will always want to believe what is evidenced by circumstances or externals. But the truth is not always in those things, is it? In fact, it rarely is because we'll make judgments based on externals unless those judgments are tempered by the Spirit of God. We judge what? Wrongly. Wrongly. The truth is within us. And in everything we must defer to the truth within Paul had already given them a word concerning the rapture. And we know that the word is actually affirmed or confirmed within. Those of you who know the Lord, when you got saved, it wasn't the prayer that you prayed that affirmed you in your salvation, was it? It wasn't, oh, I prayed the right prayer so I'm saved. There was an inner knowing that affirmed. It was the Spirit of God that affirmed it within you. And it is, it is that way with all truth. How many times have you read a verse and you just read it, and then the next time you read it, there was an affirmation within you. And God may have used situation and circumstances around you to affirm that. But the knowing is in here. Well, you know that they had the spirit of truth within them. They knew deep within, but they had more trust in what they saw with their eyes and what they could hear with their ears than what was going on within. And you know what? That's a hard step of faith. That is a step of faith that comes with maturity and walking with the Lord. It's not something that just happens overnight. We learn to listen to that inner truth. There's a story that Mike used to tell. And what it hinges on is the truth that we hear God speak. But it's about what we listen to and what we train our ears for. It has to do with the Indian who gets off the plane with a bunch of his buddies that had been to New York before, but he'd never been to New York. And he's walking down the streets of New York with the hustle and the bustle going on all around him and lights and horns honking and taxis, tires screeching and so forth. And he stops with his buddies. He stops. They all stop. And he said, hey, they were passing an alley. He says, do you hear that? They said, hear what? I hear crickets. They said, oh, you can't hear crickets. You can't possibly hear crickets. Here in this city, on this street, you cannot possibly hear crickets. He says, but I always listen for crickets. He says, you can hear them if you listen for them. No, you can't hear. They start walking, takes a bunch of change out of his pocket and throws it down into the street. They all turn quickly. He said, you heard that. It's about what you're listening for. It's what you've trained your ear. Everybody stopped and heard that. What are you listening for? 
When we're listening for, for deliverance, when we're listening for some exterior, external word of hope, when we're listening for affirmation of our own plans, when we're listening for something that props up our own ego or our flesh, if that's what we've trained our ears for, then the still small voice will be very small and very still. But if our heart is for Him, then we hang on every inclination that sparks in here. We stop. Is that you, Lord? Speak. Your servant listens. Speak. I want to hear you. These people knew within them, I don't believe they were totally deceived. I believe they had an inclination within them. They had been walking with the Lord and living by His grace. And some had allowed fear to enter their hearts and had been shaken by what they had seen and heard. And in order to embrace fear, this is the truth, in order to embrace fear, we have to disregard who God is and who we are and what we know about His character. And that's a big point. We have to disregard what we know about His character. You have a history with the Lord. Why do you let the present speak against the past? Why do you let the minutes speak against the years? Why do you allow the circumstance of today to override the faithfulness of God through years of living? That's the question. We do, though, don't we? We do. That's that part of learning those lessons over and over again, a gentle God, the loving God, the God of our heart, is more concerned about us learning than the amount of time that it takes for us to learn. For time is not a factor with Him. And He loves us so much, He's going to love us through eternity and through everything that we go through. His purpose is to bring us into a greater awareness of how much He loves us. Paul is now going to tell them how they can know they're not in the day of the Lord. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way, for that that day will not come except the apostasy comes first, unless the predicted falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. And the man of lawlessness, sin, is revealed, who is the son of doom, of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and insolently against and over all that is called God or that is worshipped even to his actually taking his seat in the temple of God proclaiming that he himself is God now again Paul introduces the issue of choice look at the beginning of verse 3 let no one deceive you what does that tell you? you choose let no one deceive you For the day will not come except the apostasy comes first. Now, there's a lot of confusion on this issue. A lot of people have differing differing opinions, and if you want to read a commentary about it, there are plenty to be read. I have read many, and I will tell you what I believe, but know this, we only have what the Word of God says, and what the Word of God says is truth. Man's opinions about the Word of God is not necessarily truth. 
It is not our intent to change, shape, or distort the message of the Spirit of God. And here's the truth of it. He has showed you and told you all that He wants you to know. You can follow all the charts you want to. You can listen to all the preachers you want to. There are ministries literally founded on this whole subject. And in my opinion, they're putting the emphasis in the wrong place. We have life with Christ. He is our hope and our joy. What is there beyond the rapture has to be there both for the consistency of us being able to see that our God is both just, that He is both true, and that everything that He says will come. It's for our benefit in that way. But primarily, it's for those who will be left behind to read it. They'll see it. It's not going to change your effect or your coming or going or how you believe, but it might change theirs. The reality is that every bit of it affects us as Christians, but what it's talking about past, the rapture, is not what you're going to enter into, it's what the lost are going to enter into. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth that is within us. Father, we don't know the times. As you said, it is not for us to know the times, the ages. We don't know, but we know you. And in you, We have life. Father, I pray that your spirit would speak the truth of this message to every heart that is here. That every soul would receive it. And everything that is not of truth be forgotten. May your name be lifted up and glorified. May the expression of your life and your presence be seen and felt in each person here. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, The hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.